that really is how smaller businesses are able to grow, especially early on, is its reputation, experience, and referrals. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Rouse. And today my guest is Chris Wallace. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. It's still a little bit smoky here, but it's supposed to clean up in the next few days. So you work with Interview, which is, and that's inner, I-N-N-E-R, not interview, but interview. It's a marketing consulting firm that helps companies effectively transfer their brand messages to their employees and partners on the front lines. And now we were talking a little bit before about this, but do you want to maybe go in more depth about what it is that you guys do? Yeah, I mean, I, I can sum it up by saying we help companies make sure that the people who represent them, who talk to their customers, who serve their customers, can actually deliver on what the company says they do. So you see a commercial for a car, you see a, a commercial for name a product, an appliance. When somebody goes to purchase that, to engage in that buying journey and go, goes through that customer experience, does that match what the company said it was going to be? Does the brand promise match the customer experience? We make sure that those things are as closely aligned as they possibly can be. Right. And this is, well, from my standpoint, my personal experience, this is a massive problem in the world because the experience that is being put out by the marketing group and the sales team in no way matches the support that you get when you contact these organizations, pretty generally. I would say there, there are a lot of companies who do a really good job, but there are more who do a really bad job, at least in my experience anyway. I don't know if if what you guys have been seeing out there, but from a customer experience standpoint, this is not a good customer experience. Yeah, I think that the the challenge that you have is marketing in a lot of the organizations that we work with sits in, in a silo that's very much unrelated to what happens with with customer operations, right? With sales and customer operations. And, you know, anybody in business, you know, can laugh when they think about the idea of, you know, aligning, you know, the marketing team and the sales team. That's kind of like the the age old business challenge that a lot of companies face is getting sales and marketing on the same page. But, you know, what we see is marketing ends up pretty siloed and marketing is so focused on generating demand but they're not focused on what happens when the demand actually shows up, whether it's in a retail store or a call center or whatever that is. We work to close that gap. We're building bridges throughout those organizations. And frankly, we're the ones out there waving the banner saying that the marketing team, if, if the marketing team is not running customer experience, if they don't own it, especially in you know, larger organizations, that's a real problem. Customer experience should live inside marketing because all the messaging out to the customers lives in marketing. What gets delivered to the customer should be very closely aligned to that. Right. And I think that you see those, a lot of companies pay lip service to the thing about not having like marketing separate from every other team that they have, but then they have marketing meetings with only marketing people, salespeople that only have meetings with salespeople, operations people that are more on that kind of structure, building, you know, engineering, maybe side of things, right? Everything is, is, is so siloed. And then support again is usually a different department run under like IT or information systems or something, right? Depending upon what kind of company it is. And yeah, it's a real problem. So if you are a smaller business, I mean, you know, there's a lot of companies on here where one person is sales and marketing, right? Yep. 
What do you think is important in those kind of smaller companies that maybe is a takeaway from working with some of those bigger brands that you have for them to align their, maybe their message with their marketing? So we're going to set sales and marketing aside for a second. We're going to talk about customer experience, okay? Because I think actually the smaller you get, the the more important customer experience becomes. And when you think about marketing, I, I look at it as your marketing strategy should be synonymous with your customer experience strategy. And, you know, you, you'd given me a little bit of feedback on who some of your listeners are and things like that. But the reality is customers, whether they're business customers or, or consumers, households, they can pretty much get every product and service that they would ever need from a multitude of different sources. They they never only have one option, right? The product and the service actually at this point are so commoditized, whether it's, you know, your streaming television service or your wireless phone or clothing, automobiles, they're all just commodities, right? What really makes them interesting and makes them compelling is the experience that you wrap around it, right? The way you add value through the experience. My favorite example going right now is Tesla, okay? Now, Tesla is it's an article in the Wall Street Journal a couple of months ago. I believe it was J.D. Power rated them the most desirable auto brand and the least reliable auto brand <laughs> right. in, 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 in their study. So essentially more people want them than any other brand. And the things that the car is supposed to do was rated the lowest. I mean, it was probably in the luxury category, but rated the lowest of anybody in the category. Somehow they have taken that product, recognized that it was a commodity, made buying and owning a Tesla an experience. And somehow the experience is winning the, the hearts and minds and the, the value perception of those customers. So you know, to kind of go back to the advice, it really is think about that experience that you want to deliver because that's what's going to make you different. Being a an SEO provider, being a marketing consultant, being a real estate agent, being whatever business it is that you are in, that experience is what's going to win people and what's going to set you apart because people can get that service from anybody. For sure. You know, we talk a lot about on the show that kind of marketing, especially in the small business world, has kind of come to the point where if somebody wants something, they type the words into Google and they go down the list and they just call until somebody answers the phone. Right. Because everybody looks the same in that kind of marketplace. And if you don't have a way to stand out, then you're just another provider. Right. You're just another replaceable line on a Google result that if you weren't there, it wouldn't make any difference to people. But if you have, like you were saying, if you have an exceptional customer experience, that is something that's going to make you stand out. And then people will choose you rather than going down the list and just picking anybody. And let's be honest, it, it's not the most scalable model in the world, but the best way for small businesses to drive growth is through drive, bu- building a good experience, a good reputation and earning, earning referrals. I mean, that really is how smaller businesses are able to grow, especially early on, is it's reputation, experience and referrals. So yeah, digital marketing is giving people the opportunity to get their name out there and have people find them and things like that. But if you're simply not good at what you do, it's not going to last very long. That experience is really important. Right. And you know what? I am the first one to tell people that digital marketing is not a small business scaling solution out of the gate. This is a mistake that small business owners make all the time. If I could only get my name out there to hundreds of thousands of people, 
then some of them would have to pick me because I'm, I'm just by the numbers and then I'm going to make lots of money. And that absolutely is not the case, right? The way that most small businesses grow is that you have an experience and something for customers to talk about and all of the things in alignment with that customer experience so that they will generate two customers so that every time that you have one customer walk out the door, you have two new ones come in. And that's what grows your business. You want to scale after you're big enough to have a team that you can scale. That's very well said. That's very well said. And, and, and it's a tricky dance having been, you know, I'm on my, th- this is my third business, you know, two that I founded one, one I, I sold in, you know, merged in with another, another firm and helped to, to run and grow that organization. But this is my, really my third spin as an entrepreneur and growth is really hard. It's really hard. And when you think about ways and we've done various aspects of, of the marketing plan, trying to scale and things like that, and it's a really tricky dance. But if you don't have a good sense of how you're different and, and what are the, th- you know, when we talk about how you're different, it's not how you say you're different. It's how does that, that promise manifest itself in actions, behaviors, experiences for the people that you serve that truly make it different. I don't care if you're a large auto brand or, you know, a, a small business, really understanding how that brand and, and how, you know, really how that value proposition plays out in the way you serve the customer. You, 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 the classic examples are like Southwest, right? Southwest is Subaru, right? Those are great examples of they know who they are as a brand and they have turned that into a series of actions, behaviors, cultures that are perpetuated every day inside their organization. They live their brand every single day. That's important. Whether you're big or small, it's important. Yeah, and there has to be some kind of actual differentiator, right? And I think what a lot of people forget is that they think that competence is going to grow their business. And competence is just the barrier to entry, right? Being able to do a consistent competent, good job for everyone who comes in the door to the best of your ability and and make sure that everybody gets taken care of and good follow up and all those kind of things. That is that's just the amount that you get to stay in business, because if you're not good at those things, you're not going to be in business for very long. Now, it, it's true. And, and by the way, even if you're good at those things, a lot of times you don't stay in business. It's it's hard. It's hard to run a small business. It's hard to find clients. It's hard to grow. But I really do think that what, what you what you said there about, you know, that, that differentiator, you really have to think about how you want to stand out in the space and how you stand out. Can't Again, just can't be words. It has to be something that is backed up with a plan, right? Writing down what do you know, we always talk about what do you want what do you want a customer to say about you? How do you want them to feel when they work with you? And what do you want them to, to, to say to others, right? What do you want them to do as a result of, of what they think of you? So th- that idea of the say, feel, and do is, you know, an exercise that we walk through for ourselves and with our clients and really making sure that people are deliberate about writing down the experience that they want to deliver makes it a, a lot more real when you hold yourself accountable to writing it down. Right. Absolutely. And that's, uh, I like that. I like that kind of three point plan, right? Feel, say, and do. Let me tack on to that. I was reading on, um, Twitter the other day, Rand Fishkin, who's big in the SEO world, he runs a company called Spark Toro. He wrote a, a book also about startups. Should I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Anyway, he said brand is what people say about you behind your back. 
And that is a really good way to think about it, right? Is when, when your customer walks out the door and they're no longer in a space where you can hear them, what are they saying to someone else about your company? That's what you want your branding to do, right? And then on top of that, I've been listening to uh, Jay Bear's podcast recently, and he wrote a book called Talk Triggers. And Talk Triggers are something that you can do to help spread a message for your business. And there's lots of examples. One of the examples that I actually used in, in my own book was that there is a hotel down in California. I, I believe it's called Imperial Palace. And you go there and they have a red phone next to the swimming pool. And when you're out at the swimming pool, anytime that the swimming pool is open, you can pick up the phone and somebody will answer it and say, Popsicle Hotline. And then you can order however many popsicles you want for free. And a guy comes out or a girl comes out wearing a suit with the white cloth over their arm and they have the cloche, like the metal cloche, and they will serve you popsicles at the side of the pool. Nice. And they have like like twelve hundred five star reviews or something, right? Like they they're the highest rated hotel in all of California because of this popsicle hotline thing, right? Because it's their talk trigger, it's something different. But also their hotel rooms are clean. Their service is good. They're well-priced. They're fit in the marketplace. All of the other things are right. But then they also have this operational talk trigger, which is something that it's repeatable. It's, it's you know, something that they can do uh, for every client. It's not some extreme giant party, you know, or something that they have like once ever. So that those are the things that, that matter. They have to be operational efficiencies that you can do that also will make something that people talk about. Yeah, it, it, it's really interesting. I think that, um, you know, trying to think about, you know, again, this being my, my third time uh, building a business, you know, one of the things when we started out, we said, we're not just going to be services. We're going to have something that's different. We're going to have a, a hook, for lack of a better phrase. We developed something. I don't mean this is a shameless plug. I'm just trying to give you an example of, of, of you know, how we approach that, that idea of talk trigger. We built something called the brand transfer score and the brand transfer study. And essentially what this does is it, it, it's really simple. It is, we worked with a market research firm, a company that goes out and does, you know, gathers voice of customer data for big brands. Okay. What do your customers think about you? Where do they think you're good? Where do they think you're bad? How do they think you stack up against the competition? And we worked with them and they were showing us this platform and we, you know, we, another startup actually, and we really liked what they were doing and they had a lot of success. And we said, why can't you use that same thing? Not for customers, but for the people who talk to the customers. And they're like, well, why would you want to do that? And we're like, well, if, if you want to influence what a customer thinks, wouldn't it be nice to know what the person talking to the customer thinks? Because in a lot of cases, that person's going to influence their perception of the brand or what they say behind your back, right? More than any other single factor, more than your website, more than your commercials. The person they interact with is likely to shape their perception more than anything else. So why don't we find out what they think of your brand? If they don't believe in it, then it's going to be awfully hard to get your customer to believe in it. So the, the brand transfer study and the brand transfer score is our way of sort of connecting the dots between what you tell your customers via your marketing and what your people actually think the story is and what, how they internalize that message. And I was on the phone with a client the other day and I was explaining, they brought another executive in and I was explaining the brand transfer score to him. And he, he, he we're on a Zoom and he laughed. He goes, you must feel like the people that figured out that peanut butter and chocolate will fit well together. Right. <laughs> and I laughed at that, but that idea of it's not just about what, what the customers think, 
because the people who talk to the customers can influence that perception in a big way. So, you know, we really try to come up with, what's your score? How well is your story getting through? Are you able to transfer that message or is it getting, is the artery getting blocked someplace? We want people walking around their company saying, what's our BTS score? What, you know, how do we do this month? That type of thing. So, and it served us very well. It's different. It's something other people don't have. Yeah. And I think there is an amazing amount of value in having buy-in of uh, all the people in your company, of what the direction of the company is, where you're going, what you're doing. And that doesn't need to be the same, necessarily the same message that's going out to customers, right? Like you can say our company's goals are X, Y, Z, right? But that doesn't mean that you don't have alignment with your sales and marketing still because you don't necessarily articulate your company's goals to your clients, right? Let's put it this way. To to, to your point, man, that's not necessarily our particular area of focus. We really do focus on how how, how to drive that, that marketing piece because they spend so much money in marketing and there's so much at stake there that we're helping them sort of optimize their return on that. But what you just said to me and the, the way I, I phrase this to CMOs all the time is we take your brand and we sell it back to your people. And whether that's your vision for your company or your brand story or whatever it is, as soon as an organization looks at the people who work for them as people to be sold to as, as a segment of their, their marketing audience or, or one segment of their marketing plan and not as people to be forced into compliance, we think that's where organizations have big breakthroughs. And that, that helps organizations become much more more uh, scalable, much more nimble, you know, much more uh, ready to grow. Because now they're looking at, you talk about buy-in. Well, how do you get buy-in? You can't continually tell people what to do and expect that you're going to get buy-in. You only get buy-in when it's their idea. That's how you sell. That's how you market. Market is behavior change on a mass scale. That's what it is. That's what marketing is. You're trying to change behavior on a mass scale. Well, apply that inside your company, market to them, influence them, make it their idea. Let them draw their own conclusion. You get much better buy-in doing it that way than telling them what they have to do. Nobody wants to be told what they have to do. Right. You can't get buy-in from people just by forcing it. I mean, it's that old thing, right? Like the the beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> you just can't do it that way. It just doesn't work. And, you know, there's a, a interesting thing I was listening to. Actually, I was watching an interview with uh, Seth Godin, who I'm sure everybody's familiar with. Uh, and he was talking about the school system. One of my favorites. Yeah, he was talking about how you can't get buy-in in, in from students in the school system by forcing them to regurgitate memorized information. That doesn't give you buy-in on education education, right? Buy-in on education is teaching people the fun of solving problems, right? And I think the same thing happens in companies. Companies are so down to like, number one is protecting themselves from liability. And number two is is drilling procedures into their low-level staff, right? And, and I don't mean to sound condescending calling people low-level staff, but I mean lower in the org chart, right? And or frontline staff, maybe it would, would be better phrasing. But yeah, drilling policies into those people does not give them buy-in. Right. <laughs> Who? Let me ask you this, Matt. Let me ask you this. I don't know. You know, during during the pandemic, think about you know the places that you've been. Have you been in a Target? Have you been in a Whole Foods? Yes. <laughs> you think about you say low, low, low level employees. Well, one of the things that I think one of the positives that's come out of these last several months is really appreciating the, the contribution 
decision that these people make to their, you know, we, we, we call them brand representatives. And somebody laughed one time, somebody from a banking client of ours said, do you say brand representatives like it's an aspirational title? And I said to that person, I go, what do you think they actually are? Do you think they're not brand representatives? That moment, the face of the brand is the person right now that's standing behind that 10 millimeter plastic shield at the register. And if they're showing up to work and they're working hard for the customer and they're being pleasant and they're pointing out where the hand sanitizers and things like that, guess what? For that customer that day, that is your brand. And that matters and that means something. So you know, I, I completely agree with you that this idea of um, just telling people what they have to do or, 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 or for, trying to force that message, the beatings will continue to morale improves. It can't be done that way. And they can't just be given information. You can't send an email and say, Info- communications don't force people to act. You have to really compel them. You have to reach them with a more, a more compelling message than just here are the facts. That's the mistake most companies make is they think you need information. People want information and they bury people with information, product details, policies and procedures. That's not what people need. You got to tell a story in a much more compelling way. Yeah. And, and the storytelling internally, like you're saying, is just as important as, as the story externally, right? This is going out to the clients. But, you know, Ian, and you made a good point about people being brand representatives on the front line, because every time that you hear uh, a horror story from someone about why they're never going to use company X ever again, right? It's always something that happened from an employee who is public facing, obviously. And there is a pandemic beyond just coronavirus. There is a pandemic of people in the management level of companies having any interaction with their customers ever. Right. I mean, I don't know how many large companies I have worked in when I have asked them if they have ever talked to a single client. And the answer is no. And big, big, big companies with billions of dollars that I've worked at. And they have entire like office buildings full of people who have never talked to a customer. Yeah. And that's why when we talk about the, the, especially in those big organizations, the, the brand transfer study, the brand transfer score that we give them, it really is, it's giving those people a voice. That's really all it is. It's giving them a voice. It's building a feedback loop whereby the input, how do you do marketing? Ask somebody what they think ask them what they care about. Then you develop messaging, assuming that what you have can actually do that. You develop messaging about how you do that. And by the time it gets back to the, to the, to the buyer, to the customer, they say, wow, that makes all the sense in the world. Organizations do that with their customers all day long. It's a many hundreds of billions of dollars industry. And here we find ourselves somehow, they still think, whip the employee harder is the way to, you know, put them on a performance improvement plan or give them a script. We can't trust them to actually think, you know, think for themselves. It simply doesn't work. Doesn't work. It's outdated. Man, the scripts are terrible. So there's another, this is, I hate to call everything a pandemic. There's, there's another sickness <laughs> in the corporate world. And the other sickness in the corporate world right now is that there is a absolute failure of customer service because companies have decided that, well, since my employees are going to have to work from home, what I'm going to do is lay off half of them and then tell people, sorry, because of coronavirus, we can't get back to you anytime soon or just not respond at all. Right. I've had experiences with some some support organizations where, you know, I have a customer 
uh, who who is in fact a customer of theirs, right? I'm just kind of the middleman in the situation. And they have an emergency that needs to be taken care of right away that is affecting their bottom line revenue for their company during, you know, the worst kind of economic crisis that that company has ever seen. And it's taking 60 to 75 days to get back to them. Wow. Right. Which is abhorrent. Right. You can't stay in business, you know, with those kind of response times. But then the companies are like, well, it's coronavirus. Sorry. You know, yeah. That doesn't, sorry, doesn't solve the problem. It certainly doesn't. No, no, not, not when people are looking for, you know, the, the companies they do business with to go the extra mile right now. It's hard, you know, from sector to sector. Yeah. They're going the extra mile the other direction. <laughs> yeah. No, it, 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 it's tough. Depends on what sector they're in and things like that. I mean, I know there's certain industries that are getting hit really hard. And listen, they're trying to keep businesses afloat. It's hard. It, it, it's hard making decisions as a business owner right now. That That's a completely other show, right? It's a separate show that we could have. But it's hard making you know business decisions, whether you're large or small right now. I think and obviously you your company would need to look at the economics of things. But what our company did and what I've seen several companies do that have been very successful through, you know, the last two quarters has been kind of doubling down on support and customer service as being not only just a differentiator, but to help people who are in a difficult time. So a lot of large companies have done it. A good example was HubSpot and also like Salesforce, where they were like, we're going to put out twice as much helpful content and information as we can to help businesses get through this and give them discounts and on their on their services and stuff to help them get through. And we're going to put more front uh, facing people on the front lines to help clients rather than other businesses who took away sales, laid off people, took PPP loans for their staff that they, you know, and then never brought them back and all these kind of shady crap that went on too. The customers who doubled down on service are doing better. They're doing better than they were before. Well, I, I think a way to, to, to really tie, you know, tie out the whole conversation, Matt, is to think about when you think about brand is a word that people associate with big companies. Okay. Let, let's just call it reputation for a minute, whether you're big or small reputation matters. Okay. When you think about the reputation that you want to drive, the the probably the most important point I, I would encourage your, your listeners to think about is you have to be thinking about service and experiences that you want to deliver for your customers that would have been better before the pandemic. And, you know, that should be the bar. The bar should be if this would have been better before all of this. Happened. Now, if, if the pandemic is what caused you to realize that you needed to change that is what it is. It's, it's been a great accelerator for a lot of those things. But the, the bar should be not, is this going to help us operate better around the, around the, the, the pandemic, but truly would it have been better before? Are we being reactive or are we actually finding a better way? That should be the measure of whether or not it's innovative. I'm going to give you a great example. It's from your neck of the woods. Okay. There's a company called Umqua Bank. Are you familiar with yeah. Did I pronounce it correctly? Umqua. Umqua. So Umqua Bank, they introduced a service prior to, to the pandemic. I, I, I'm blanking on the actual name of the service, but essentially what it does is it is a chat feature where if you need something from the bank, you can go in through an app and you can go and you can look at all of the different 
representatives that are available at that time. You can flip through a detailed profile about who they are, what their tenure is, how much experience they have, what particular areas of banking they they have expertise in, and you can select to start a chat with them live that minute. Okay. So I I keep joking. It's like match.com meets great customer service. What they did is they're putting a face and a name and a background and a level of expertise. You somehow made a digital exchange more personal without really even going that much further. Now, what do you think happened once, once the pandemic hit usage of that thing went through the roof, but they didn't develop that because of the pandemic. It was better before it's better after it's going to be better in the future because they're finding ways to, to really combine digital and human interaction into a more personal way of serving customers. And to me, I just think that that's a great lesson that is find a way that was better before. Find a way to serve that customer that's more innovative, more forward thinking, and solves a need that the customer didn't even know they had, which in this case is you don't trust the support that you get from your bank. You don't trust who the person is. You think that they're a $14 an hour call center employee. No, they're, they're staffing their branches and their call centers with financial professionals. Here's who that person is. Here's how they can help you. I, I just think that's a great example of everybody could apply that to their own business of ways to make things better than it was before the pandemic hit. Right. And you know, that's that's an amazing example. And it's it's definitely the off opposite of some of the experiences that I've had with some other companies during the pandemic where, you know, they used to have phone support, chat support. You, know, you could email them if you wanted to. And then they're like, well, now the only thing you can do is call. And when you call, it says that all the lines are busy, <laughs> right? you know, where you get the opposite effect. I, I just I mean, I need to check out that app, honestly. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I forgot. I off the top of my head forgot the name of it, but look up, look up on Quack. All right, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. I mean, they're a, a chamber member of the local Hillsborough Chamber, and I work with the small business committee here. So, okay, good. Check them out. But I wanted to ask you kind of one more thing along the same line, and that is, if you, I mean, you talked about how large companies generally they're like burying their their front facing staff in, you know, information and emails and memos and whatever and scripts and that kind of stuff. If you have a smaller business, maybe not like a, a small like one room shop kind of thing, but, you know, that five to 100 employee business space, what do you think is a good way to kind of get all your employees on board with the mission of your company? I mean, one way, especially in a smaller organization like that is, you know, we we talk about, you know, peer to peer influence a lot. It's one of the core drivers of everything that we do with our clients. There's always a peer component to our to the, the program that we run. But it really is, you know, give, you know, giving them a forum, you know, making it an area of focus where they can share what they are doing for customers, how they are delivering that experience, how they are sort of living the, the, the mission of the organization and delivering on the, the experience that you want and having them learn from each other. And, and now that could be, you know, I, we've, we've done it where organizations have workplace by Facebook where people are doing it socially. We've had it done on, on, you know, virtual calls where people are getting on and they're sharing examples of the great stuff that they're doing for their clients. I read a great article through Knowledge at Wharton. Wharton's publishing, you know, uh, uh, 
uh, Thought Leadership Hub, and Adam Grant, who a lot of people might know, wrote Give and Take. You know, really well known, uh, well known kind of modern modern philosopher. But Adam Grant uh, contributed to the article, and it was talking all about how highlighting the impact that you're making for customers it needs to be shared with employees constantly. And when it comes from a fellow employee and not from an executive, it just means all that much more. So driving that peer example, those best practices, and highlighting the extra mile that people are going to serve the customers and living that mission is just a great way to keep that culture of customer focus building. Yeah, and I think having that, you know, customer focused culture is is always going to have a, a greater impact on the customer experience than just about anything else you could do with your company, right? Sure, absolutely. So, Chris, if somebody wants to contact you or a company wants to contact your company, what is the best way for them to reach out to you? So uh, the best way to find the company is uh, interviewgroup.com and it's I-N-N-E-R. Take an interview of your organization. It's, it's a very literal name, but interviewgroup.com. Um, my, my email is cwallace at interviewgroup.com. And uh, I'm, I'm always on LinkedIn. It's a great place to find me. So if people hear this and want to connect, you'll find me now. Here's the trick. There's a lot of people named Chris Wallace. So when you, when you go to LinkedIn... In Philadelphia, look for Interview Group. You'll see the logo next to my name. But I'm founder president of, of Interview Group. Philadelphia is our, our our geographic location. So make sure you find me there because there's plenty of Chris Wallace's. Don't don't fall into the wrong hands. Don't reach out to the wrong one. Right. Actually, you know what? I typed in Chris Wallace and you were the first on the list. Really? That's good. I'm I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, that's good. Your 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 LinkedIn SEO is going up. Well, I also share a name with the notorious BIG. Christopher oh, Wallace is the notorious BIG's right. name. So you got to, uh, you got to be careful. You might end up on a different website. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's a Matt Rouse now who is like a early 20 something year old pop music star. So perfect. I'm still outranking him though. Apparently he should have invested in more SEO. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Depends on, depends on how his career is. I think Chris, I appreciate you being on the show. We'll have that information in the show notes that you can get at hookseo.com slash podcast. And once again, Chris, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge with us. Matt, I really appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.